Amazing. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Uh, if you can grab a Bible there in your pew and turn to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, in the meantime, I want to tell you about this blender. We'll try to carefully put it so we don't smash Brian's guitar. We'll let Brian do that after a great solo one day. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about this blender a little bit. Um, when, when Ronella and I first got married, uh, we went and visited some friends in a far-off town who had just purchased this really amazing blender, okay? And uh, they were just telling us about all the neat things that this blender they had bought could do. Uh, it was so powerful. It was so incredible. You could just take a raw sweet potato and just put it in there, and it would just liquefy the thing. It was amazing. It even had this feature on it where you could push a button and it would like warm up whatever it was that you put in that blender. So you could actually make soup in your blender. So, you know, you never could make a soup before, but now you could if you had this blender and, and the engine and it was just real, like the motor stuff in there was just 100% legit. All metal parts, none of that cheap plastic stuff. So it had this great warranty and it would just last forever. It was just this really amazing uh, blender, and uh, if you, when it came time to clean it, you just you would just pour a little water and soap in there and run it. It would clean itself, right? So this was just this incredible thing, and uh, you know it was just made it so easy to make healthy food. So if you just got that blender, you were going to become a healthy person because you were just going to make healthy food all the time. It's going to be so fun to to be healthy and so easy to be healthy. And, and this thing was going to turn you into a healthy person. And I was just totally sunk on this blender. I just had to have that blender, okay? The problem was that the blender cost like $400, and I did not have $400. But they did have a $130 version, uh, which was the, the, the straight, didn't have quite as many bells and whistles. Uh, but really kind of the core of the thing was still there. And so uh, I wanted it so bad. We had to get that blender. Well, I bought the blender, and, uh, and I just remember telling all of my family and friends about this blender, okay? Uh, people would come over to my apartment, and I would say, hey, I want to show you my blender, all right? You got to see this thing. And it was important. People needed to know about this blender, and, um, but, but actually not really, okay? No one ever came over to my apartment, right, and was like, ooh, tell, I like your blender. Tell me all about it, you know? No one ever asked about the blender, but I just knew that people needed to know. And uh, so I spent all this money on this blender, and now it's collecting lots of dust in the cabinet, and that's a great thing. So, so my question for you, my, my first question for you this morning is this. Have you ever regretted something that you bought? I mean, I'm pretty sure this is all of us, and, and uh, probably the younger we are, the more things we're buying that we're like, what? You know, we're kind of learning as we go. But it probably never goes away. We, we keep wondering why we buy, we, we, we buy the things that we buy. Um, so, if, in fact, if I'm, if I'm really being honest, I suspect most of us uh, can kind of be compulsive 
in, in some of the things we buy. Sometimes uh, we, we're walking through the store and there's something on a shelf and all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, I couldn't, I have to have that. That's a need. That's something I must have. Uh, we spend more uh, on stuff than we can afford and, uh, you know, we don't actually need and, and so we don't even have enough storage space for it. So we spend more money on more storage space. Jesus tells that famous parable, you know, about the guy who uh, he just does better and better. So he tears down his little barn so he can build bigger barns. It seems like we just can't stop ourselves from buying more stuff. So I want you to think about this. I want to give you a couple of facts and figures. You can go uh, Snopes all of this. Go fact check it all after church today. Uh, 40% of all the world's toys are in a country that has 3% of the world's kids. Can you guess what country it is? How about this? Americans have more televisions. Our homes have more televisions in them than people. And that doesn't even count all the smartphones and the computers. And So how many screens are in your home when you're there? Everyone's worried about college debt these days, rightfully so. But did you know that Americans have almost as much debt for cars as they do for college? And which is more important? In America, more money is spent every year on fashion and accessories than all college tuition combined. The average American, hello Jesus, the average American uh, holds $14,000 in credit card debt, which is not a very good feeling. Some people have zero credit card debt, so that means that other people have to compensate, right, and have even more than that. And if you think about it from a kind of 10,000-foot view, some of the other problems, uh, just last year, we Americans had to cut down 321 million trees just for the paper that is now in a landfill. Uh, every year, our plastic waste kills over one million seabirds. You may not care that much about seabirds, but as it turns out, the whole ocean is like this interdependent ecosystem thing. And, you know, when one thing collapses, all the other things kind of collapse. And before you know, you have no more tuna, no more dolphins, no more Little Mermaid. You can forget Finding Nemo. Uh, you know, so all this stuff that we are buying and barely using, just throwing away after using it one time, it's, it's harming God's creation that you and I and our kids depend on so very much. God's very good gift to us. So here it is, my friends. Here's the problem. Our spiritual well-being and God's gift of creation is drowning in our impulsive drive to keep on buying. And you got to buy things in this world. You need food and clothes and cars. And my son Amos needs his toy Batmobile. And my daughter needs her Barbies. And we all need to wear clothes, hopefully. And I enjoy scooting around on my bicycles. And we're kind of stuck in a world where we need to make uh, money and spend money on things. So my question for you is this. Let me kind of wrap it all up and put it this way. How can you live with less regret about the things that you buy? We'll put it that way.
So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasure stuff on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where the thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thanks be to God for that very good word. Amen. So, Jesus lived His life a better way than the way our wider culture is living. It would be better for you to imitate Jesus, all right? Obey His teachings than to imitate the culture in which you live and to obey the messages that are sent to you from all of its marketing and advertising. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And Jesus lived a life of simplicity. That's the way He lived His life. Uh, if you actually pick up your Bible and, and read through it, you'll never find a verse of Scripture where Jesus buys anything. There is not one record of Jesus purchasing a single thing. Um, and in fact, the Bible at no point records Jesus even owning anything. It doesn't talk about Him ever owning a house or an animal or uh, any kind of uh, possession. Uh, the closest thing it ever gets is when Jesus tells his followers, he says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus lived a life of simplicity. Jesus taught his followers to live a life of simplicity. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And where your treasure is, where your stuff is, there your heart will be also. That's what he said. He's saying out loud the thing that you and I need to hear. He's clarifying what's going on in your own heart. You become invested in the things in which you have invested. Your heart grows attached to the things that you own, whether you like it or not. Whether you want to admit it to yourself or not, the things that you own, they kind of sort of own you just a little bit. Jesus says where your treasure is, all right? That's like a present tense verb, right? Is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Future tense also. In other words, you're going to buy something today and... Uh, over time, you'll realize that that thing is going to grab some kind of hold on you. It's going to begin to kind of possess your devotion, your desire, your thoughts, your heart. All those things will follow the things that you buy. Once I spent $130 on a stupid blender, I had to love it. Right? I had to kind of rationalize this money that I had spent on this thing. Well... Renella and I were missionaries in Romania for two years uh, in the poorest neighborhood of Bucharest. I'll be actually going, I'll be possibly sleeping in my, our former apartment. So we were there and um, the children that we served lived on about, this is the exact neighborhood, 
the, the children we served lived on about $2 a day in a place with a pretty high cost of living. You had entire families that lived in one-bedroom apartments, uh, sleeping on the floor, uh, and those kids just had absolutely nothing. They just lived in a very tough environment um, uh, to live in. And so uh, after being there for two years, God called us to move back to, uh, move to Virginia, actually for the first time. And on the plane ride home, I was wondering, like, having spent this time with the poorest of the poor, what is this going to do to my brain, like living in the rich country of America? Like, how am I going to feel about things? And what's it going to be like to return to uh, this American way of life after living amongst the poorest of the poor? Well, I realized two things that me and my uh, fellow Americans uh, do, and uh, they, they kind of began to grate on me. And first, the first thing is that I realized that we totally abuse the word need in America. You know, uh, the vast majority uh, of things that we think that we need, we don't actually need, right? We want, right? If you need it, that means you're going to die if you don't get it, right? Or someone else is going to die if you don't get it. So I started to use the word want a lot more after living in Romania. And the second thing that happened to me was I, I started to become very impatient with complaining uh, in myself and, and, and around me. Okay, Do you think that life's not fair because of what's going on? Stop complaining. You are exponentially better off than so many people in this world. Even if you can't keep up with the Joneses about things. It's okay. Okay, let's talk about God for a second. God is a trinity. So when I say God is a trinity, what I mean is that God is three in one and one in three. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make any sense. It's a mathematical impossibility, but there it is. But the trinity says at least this, if we can get super theological for a second. God has never not been in relationship. Forgive my double negative, my, my grammar police in the room. God has never not been in relationship. God is a relational God. God always has been, always will be loved and being loving and, and being loved. And the Bible says that, that you and you and you and all of us, we were created in the image of that God, that relational God. You and I are fundamentally wired to receive love and to give love as at the very core of who we are, just like the God in whose image we are made. And that means that things cannot produce joy in human life. Only relationships can do that. Relationships with God. Relationships with the people you love, the relationships with the people who are far from you. And the problem with consumerism, all this American obsession with stuff, the problem with a culture that's just totally inundated with stuff, 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 more and more treasure, is that we build relationships less and less with people and with God and more and more and more with things and screens. 
more and more and more. We undo the way that God has wired us to be. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus is inviting you to think about the good life. Okay, One that is filled with prayer and eating food with people. All right, serving those with need, chatting with friends after church, that is a reflection of the one true Trinitarian God. That is a better way to live your life. Did you ever hear the, the lady who was like the master of tidying up your house? Um, and her trick was you were supposed to pick up anything in your house and say, I shouldn't even do that with the Bible. She, she was, you pick up something and you say, does this bring me joy? And if the answer was no, you were supposed to like give it away or sell it or something like that. But, I, but, but, the, but, but the, no, no thing can produce joy in human life. Only relationships with God and with others can give you true joy in life. So I think actually the better question is this. When you're considering buying something, you're considering keeping something, you should say, does this bring me closer to God or others? That's the better question. Will this bring me closer to others? Will this bring me closer to God? And the truth is that half the time, you'll have to acknowledge, yeah, this isn't really going to bring me closer to anybody. Shocker. My friends, if you will keep that question in front of you, will, you bring me will this bring me closer to God or others? If you will remember that things cannot produce joy in life, only relationships can do that. If you will remember that when you buy things, there your heart eventually also will be, you will begin to buy less things and you will begin to live with less regret about the things you spend your money on. When you buy less stuff, you accumulate less debt. You put more money into savings, which you must do, by the way. You have more money to give to make an impact in this world. You harm God's creation less, and your soul heals and matures even more. Let me explain what I, what I mean by that. Your soul heals and matures even more. It grows. All of us, myself, all of us, we are, we are all carrying wounds. Okay, Some big, some small. But we've all been carrying these wounds and insecurities, maybe since childhood, maybe since something happened sometime along the way. And all of that has a way of coming out sideways. And maybe someone isn't saying it around you, but but we all have our ways of driving the people around us a little bit bonkers. Um, but as long as you have just a little bit of money, okay, you can kind of keep looking away from what's going on inside, right? All these glitzy, shiny things around you, you can give your attention to. You can just buy a little more of this, buy a little more of that, and distract yourself from what's going on right here. Distract yourself from looking inside your heart and what's really happening on the inside. You just paper over the pain and the emptiness inside with more stuff. 
We even have a fun phrase for it, retail therapy, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That can leave you spiritually stunted. You can avoid a lot of growing up. You can avoid a lot of character development with money because when you struggle, okay, that is when your character is invited to grow. And we can often spend our way out of the struggle. So Jesus says, do not store up for yourself stuff on earth because the greatest investment you can ever make is in your own spiritual development right here. Your own character development, your own spiritual healing from the wounds and scars of your life. My friends, there is a better way to live your life. The wisdom of Jesus about money okay, is to buy less so you can save more and give more. That's the bottom line for you today. Buy less, save more, give more. And if you do that, you will experience abundant life as you grow closer to God and grow closer to others. It costs nothing to go on a walk with somebody you love. It costs nothing to sit on the living room floor with your kid and, and play whatever it is they want to play. So, so let me distill this wisdom from Jesus and our shared biblical values, okay, and equip you with truth, okay, four true things from Jesus and from the Bible that hopefully make it easier for you to go completely against the grain of our culture, all right, to help you buy less stuff, to find freedom and healing in the way of Jesus, to save more and give more. All right, the, the first thing is this. Remember this. Whatever I own okay, will later own me, even just a little bit. We get kind of hooked. Those things kind of get their claws in us. Number two, anything I buy is going to hurt God's creation a little bit. Everything you buy, it's got to come from a farm or it's got to come from a forest or it's got to come from a mine or the ocean or something like that. And there are seven billion of us, so it all kind of adds up. Number three, I don't want it. I don't need it. I want it. Most of the time, we don't actually, truly need it. Number four, things do not produce joy. Relationships okay, with God and with others. Relationships produce joy. Let me, add just, let me just give you one more lens through which to look at Jesus' words of truth here in Matthew 6 before I, before I wrap this up. Something I, I feel like I have to say as a father, which is this. If it is true that the things we own kind of own us, if it's true that things do not produce joy, relationships produce joy. Why are we Americans so eager to foist so much stuff upon our kids? I mean, as a dad, there's just nothing, there is nothing more fun for me than to buy toys, especially for Amos. I mean, it's super fun for Charlie, but I just want to buy Amos, like every superhero, all the things. It's so, so, so fun and gratifying. But I have to remember, you have to remember that the most important gift we can ever give to our kids, to the next generation, is, is the gift of a heart that can relate well with others, and most important, a heart 
that can relate well with God. We're not raising kids. We're raising future adults. And so we have to tread lightly. We have to restrain ourselves as parents, as grandparents, in how we raise these children in a highly marketed, very spiritually confused, consumerist culture. This week, may you buy less. Even for others, may you buy less so you can save more and give more and live more deeply into the better way of Jesus. Let's go to a time of prayer together, my friends. Loving God, there is nothing better than You. In You, our deepest desires are met and fulfilled. In You, we find the thing that our heart, our restless hearts, are so uh, uh, desperately yearning for. Lord, we give thanks for the good people that You place in our life. And we remember that it is in those people and it is in Jesus that we find uh, a joy and meaning and purpose in life. And that's all we need. Lord, help us to be content. Uh, help us to buy less so that we can save more and so that we can give even more to Your kingdom. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. My friends, this is a place that is bringing people closer to one another and closer to Jesus. And if you're not an active member of a congregation, I invite you today to join this good family of faith. The Bible says that uh, if anyone will confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead, He will be saved. Today, I invite you to make that confession. As we stand and sing together, uh, Rick will be standing down here to receive you uh, and, uh, and welcome you. Let's go to a time of worship. Would you stand?
word is described as being able to be pressed down, shaken together, and yet running over. Jesus really is all you need. Go forth this week resting in that assurance. Amen. Amen. Amen.